Yes, you are listening to the Lions Den here on Impact Sports. What's going on, everybody? I hope you guys are enjoying your Thanksgiving week. I want to welcome you all to the Lions Den. I'm your host, Michael Heiger, and joined as every week with my co-hosts, Chris Bogus and Louis Bellata. Guys, Holla. happy holidays to you. Happy holidays to you, Heiger. Uh, happy holidays. Any big plans for uh, Turkey Day eat. on Thursday? Yeah, the Lions eat, game. Eat, eat, and eat. Eat, 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 and eat, line. Eat up that Bears game. defense. I'm actually uh, going to be going to the game on Thursday. I don't Ooh. know about you guys. So, Ooh, no, I'm I'll not. I'll be looking for you. Where you. What seats you got? I'm going to be about upper deck, middle of the upper deck, behind the end zone. So not the greatest seats, but I don't care about the seats. It's all about the atmosphere. It's all about Thanksgiving Day at Ford Field. It's going to be a fun one. But before we get into next week, we've got a long show for you guys where we're going to be recapping the Lions trouncing by the New England Patriots, losing 34-9. We're going to get into a couple of interesting questions as well, including is this team better or worse than the 2011 Lions team that made the playoffs? And also, how much do we really regret the Eric Ebron pick after what we we saw is one of the most amazing touchdown catches at least I've ever seen by Odell Beckham Jr., and then, of course, we're going to be previewing next week's game against the Chicago Bears on Thanksgiving. Only a couple days away. I can't believe it. I'm excited. So let's get started with a recap of really just an awful game against the Patriots. And <laughs> I mean, last week on our show, we all kind of saw a Lions loss coming. All three of us predicted that the Lions would wind up losing this game. But I don't think any of us really saw a 25-point loss at the hands of the Patriots. And not only that, but the second week in a row that the Lions were not able to score a touchdown on offense. Or record a sack. Or record a sack. Terrible. And, guys, is there anything positive that you can even think of that comes out of this game? No. No. Not a single thing. uh, I could say they came out injury-free, but that's not even true. We lost Riley Reef. Riley Reef with an offensive line that's already... Just in shambles. Who, who's still uh, Rob Sims and Dominic Crayola? Are they the only ones healthy now? And Waddle. Pretty much. Is is Waddle starting? Now? Yeah. Okay. Yep. He's in and out like every week, so I have no idea. Yeah. I think, guys, last week we talked about on the show, and Chris, you disagreed with me, and you said that Joe Lombardi was the reason why the Lions were having these offensive problems. But I think I saw firsthand more than any other week, the week that the Lions were only able to put up nine points and not score a touchdown – these problems really aren't Lombardi's fault, but the, pe- the but the players that are actually out there on the field. You saw drop balls in the end zone by Corey Fuller. You saw from Eric Ebron. Hello, burp there, Heiger. Excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> Let's pretend that didn't happen. But anyway, so we saw drop passes in the end zone. We saw really just awful blocking on just run blocking and pass blocking. Ninkovich ran in untouched like three or four times. Stafford was getting thrown down onto the ground multiple, multiple times. And for me, it worried me. And it made me realize that it's not as much the play calling as it is the offensive line. And I don't think it's even Matthew Stafford, who a lot of people are trying to put this on. But I think the offensive line is the main thing that has just completely fallen apart this season. And you can... And you could credit a lot of that to injuries. I think the injury to Larry Warford is what the Lions are missing more than anything right now. But, Chris, you last week you said it was Joe Lombardi. After watching this week, do you still do you still believe that? 
Yeah. I do. At least 50%. So Joel, you're back to 50. Because last week I'm, I was 50-50. No, I am going down. I'm going down a little bit. Because Joe Lombardi must have heard the podcast. Because uh, before the game started, Aaron Andrews actually uh, did a report saying he is scaling down the playbook 80%. I don't know what that means, but that probably means less bullcrap calls. I don't know. 80%. It means he did a little bit of a coaching change. They also... Started running the ball more. This this game they had 25 rushing attempts, which is something I like to see. They didn't win the game, but, you know, they balanced the playbook out a little more. Matthew Stafford, 44 throws, not what we want to see, but they were playing from behind the whole time. If you're a good offensive coordinator and your whole offensive line is down, why aren't they doing more West Coast short route passes? I know they want to do the deep ball to Calvin and the big plays, but, you know, He's got to do his best to shade the weakness of the, of the team. And, you know, if it's got to be a slant in that little uh, wide receiver screen to Golden Tate, like, more often than not, he's got to start doing that. Because Matthew Stafford's just getting killed, murdered, and he's throwing scared. And if he just did more one-step passes, you know, he could stay off the ground a little bit more. I think the other thing that's uh, a problem is the receivers aren't getting any separation. I don't think people are afraid of Calvin Johnson as they used to be. And so it's less of, a, and now they're focusing more on Golden Takes. I know he's he's just as big as a weapon. He's more equal now to Calvin in my mind. I Calvin mean, isn't this. Is, Calvin isn't as superior to people like Dorel Rivas. How many times did we see uh, the Fox broadcast cut to the wide receivers trying to get separation from Dorel Rivas, Brandon Browner, uh, the Patriots secondary, and they just weren't able to do it. They got bullied. They got bullied completely. They were able to double cover both Calvin and Golden Tate and really not have to worry about any of the other guys out there. Because they don't the need to. You think of these last two games, and they've really played the best two sec- like the best two secondaries in the league right now, other than Seattle, you know, and they did, weren't able to do anything. They got bullied by the secondary. And Matt Stafford, you know, even though, yeah, he zeroes in on Calvin the whole time, but he, he can't find anybody open. That's why he's taking the sack. He's, you know, it's not good for him. I think this game more than any more than any other game this season highlights just the struggles that the offense has had. When you look at Stafford's numbers, 18 for 46. Guys, that's the worst completion percentage he's ever posted. The worst numbers he's ever posted in a game. Wasn't able to throw a touchdown. Uh, yes, only the one interception, but you could really say that this was one of the worst games, if not the worst game, in Matthew Stafford's career. And that goes without the turnovers. And I think part of that has to do with he's thinking too much. And when and when a quarterback is thinking too much, that's because he really doesn't have that much time to think when he's in the pocket. He has to try and get out and and throw to one of these two receivers who are both being double covered, and he doesn't really have anyone else to throw to. So I think a lot of it has to do with Stafford overthinking his plays, and with that, it hurts his accuracy, and it hurts really the rest of the offense in general. But don't you think that maybe all his overthinking is coming from like a lack of help from everyone around him, including the offensive coordinator? I mean, they didn't even look on the same page on Sunday. They really didn't. Him and Golden Tate had several different routes where they just ran the, they ran the wrong way. I mean, I, it, it, it's not just one thing. It's several things wrong with this yeah. offense. It isn't a quick fix. Calvin Johnson targeted 10 times. Golden Tate tar- targeted 11 times. Each of them only came away with four catches. Ugh. And one of those, Calvin, it was a nice catch, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, uh, yeah, yeah, I know exactly what catch. Diving out of bounds. So guys, part of it, everyone's been talking about all these weapons that Stafford has, but it's he really doesn't have any. Weapons. I don't want to ever hear another Fox analyst include the tight ends as weapons because they are anything but. They are. He has Stafford has 
two weapons. He doesn't have all of these. He has two. And really, when you have two strong... Yes, they are amazing weapons. Both Golden Tate and Calvin Johnson, don't get me wrong, are great weapons to have on your offense. But when those are the only two that you have, you have you have days like these where you target each of them a double-digit amount of times, and neither of them is really able to come around, come out with the ball because Stafford's unable to make an accurate throw when they're being blanketed by the uh, other team's secondary. He's trying to avoid... He's trying to avoid throwing the interception. He did a pretty good job of that last week. But then that's where you see the overthrows that so many fans have had problems with. And really, he's he doesn't really have that much time in the pocket to make up his mind on what to do. And I think all of that goes back to the offensive line. I think even we mentioned Rob Sims is one of the only uh, guys still on that line who's healthy, but he's been awful this year. And I believe that if they had any depth and any chance to replace him they would but they just don't have that is it just me or does this team just not have depth at all anywhere I on any position i would disagree i mean other than the defensive other line than the other than seven. the defensive the line seven and that's it they have no depth anywhere well i think they have great receiver depth too Jer- jeremy ross is no good. Corey no Fuller is good. They're, no they're not good that's not that's I the disagree. problem is no they're not, good. they're not they're not a number three receiver on a playoff football team all right, I was going to bring this up earlier. I'm just going to bring this up now because it got brought up. You don't up. think Corey Fuller's a number three receiver? No. No. Listen. I think he's all right. decent. Steelers went to the Super Bowl in 2012. All right? No, in 2011. Sorry. <laughs> their wide receiving core was Heinz Ward, Mike Wallace, Antonio Brown, and Emmanuel Sanders. Mm. Emmanuel Sanders was their fourth option. He was leading the leagues. He was leading this league in receptions and yards at one point, and he was their fourth option. Do you see an Emmanuel Sanders type on the lines right now? No, no. absolutely not. So they have a horrible receiving core, other than Golden Tate and it's Calvin poor, Johnson. It's poor drafting. You guys saw it is, No, it is poor drafting, but I, but you just said Jerry Ma, Jeremy Ross and I, Fuller no, were do. good, no, and they're okay. not. They're, are, they're not they're, even close. It's a little unfair close. to compare. I mean, you pulled that Pittsburgh. That's a, that's a pretty amazing wide receiver. The player. Packers that went to the same year, Donald Driver, Greg Jennings, uh, Randall Cobb, James Jones, and uh, uh, Jordy Nelson. There you go. You look at the. You look you, at the what do you need? They, that is awesome. Look, look at the Broncos last year. Look who they surrounded Peyton Manning with. You, they had Julius Thomas, Demarius Thomas, Eric Decker, Wes Welker, who was still good at the time, and that's not even including Andre Caldwell, who's a pretty strong fifth receiver. Guys, I mean, there's no there's no wide receiver depth on this team. And Chris, you look at Corey Fuller. That ball went right through his hands. Oh, it, it did. Should have been a touchdown. Oh yeah. It was terrible. Most number three I'm receivers catch that ball. Most number three receivers. You guys got me on this one. They don't have they. It's hor exactly. You really you would have had your third legitimate receiver if you wouldn't have drafted Ebron. That's true. They could have had Old Al Beckham Jr. They could have had Mike Brandon Evans. Cooks. They could have had so many other people. It no, does. It, Mike Evans didn't drop to them. Well, no, but below Calvin Benjamin, Jordan, uh, Jordan Matthews, all those guys. You don't even need Mike Evans. Remember way back in the day when both of you hated on me for saying that the Lions should trade up for Sammy Watkins. And look at Sammy Watkins now. He's the number one receiver out there in Buffalo. I'm still hating on you on that because there were plenty of there's plenty of talent below yeah, they the tenth. Yeah. Okay, don't get me wrong. I think Buffalo was kind of regretting not just sticking where they were and drafting Odell Beckham. But but at the same time, guys. They're, this was a loaded, loaded, loaded receiver class. This was their time to get their Calvin Johnson replacement, and they swung they, and missed. They really messed up getting Eric Ebron. It's like so bad. 
And Lewis, you just you just said something interesting there. Three words that kind of scary to hear, but you said Calvin Johnson replacement. How soon do they really need a replacement in place for Calvin? Three years. You need you need you need a guy now for three years for this season and two more. They need to get one immediately. Calvin Johnson's not. I'm I'm off the Calvin Johnson train. I'm the first one off. I don't I don't like where his career's going right now. I think he's really fallen. It's not he's his, not going to get better. Than it's how, not even it's not even his fault. It's just the injuries. Do you see how many times he drops the ball though? Stupid drops. Yeah, trying to catch you, you want to know chest. why? You want to know why? He's practicing less. Mm-hmm. He doesn't practice every day like he used to. Because he, he, he's not healthy. Because he's not healthy. Right. You, he's not get. He's not doesn't got that rhythm anymore. He's not getting those reps in practice. That's where these dropped balls are coming from. But guys, I want to I want to take a word out of Aaron Rodgers' book and just say relax, let's relax a little bit. Because these look at were the, last... the two best teams, and then yes, man. Arizona and New England have phenomenal pass defenses. And then you look back at the week before with Miami, he was able to beat Brent Grimes for. A very long touchdown pass, and Brett Grimes is one of the other best cornerbacks. It's probably the best cornerback on that team, and one of the better cornerbacks in that division as well. So, guys, let's ch- calm down a little bit because Usa. I think Calvin Johnson. Rub those ear lobes. <laughs> I'm just saying, when we're going to be on the air these next four weeks, I have a feeling we're going to be talking about Calvin Johnson torching the Bears, torching the Buccaneers, torching the Vikings because these are teams that he should be able to make those big plays against, and then maybe we'll relax a little bit. And I still think, yes, he's something to worry about a little down the road. But I'm not ready to jump off the Calvin train just yet. I'm not. Yeah, I'm not off the train, but he is not the same guy, and everybody needs to realize it. He's not. not he, he's, he sits out too many games. He gets hurt too often. He can't help it. I, I, That's li- it's, well, how come it, every, I, a lot of other players can help it? Because it's the nature of, it's the nature of his abilities. Like Calvin Johnson is the player where, like, you throw the ball, you don't have to throw it to him. You just throw it in his area, and he's gonna get it. And that's why he's so banged up. He's selling his body out to get the football, and he gets banged up. Other receivers can are are more of like a I'm so fast, hit me in stride. And you hit Calvin in stride sometimes, but he's more of the big play selling out his body guy. You throw it to Odell Beckham Jr. anywhere in his direction, and he's going to catch it. Exactly why. That. That's exactly why they should have drafted him, because that's, there's, there's your replacement. They could have traded down six spots and still get It doesn't. It's past the past. I was going to save this for a separate uh, topic on the show. But since we just segued into it. it. Yeah, Eric Ebron, guys. Is there a time more than any other time you that you regret this Eric Ebron pick? Because you look at some of the players picked after him, and I know we mentioned the wide receivers, especially Odell Beckham Jr. But the guy that I'm, but the guy that I'm zoning in on, and I'm like, what? Just thinking, what could have been is Zach Martin, the offensive guard for the uh, Dallas Cowboys. And going into the draft, I know that we didn't really think the offensive line was something that needed to be addressed. Because at the time it wasn't. But did you guys watch that Sunday night football game? And what amazed me almost as much as Odell Beckham Jr.'s catch is the time that Tony Romo had in the pocket. They had a timer going for a couple of his big throws that he made on his final uh, his final touchdown drive. He had set over seven seconds in the pocket where he didn't even need to move. He didn't even need to avoid a defensive lineman because Tyron Smith, Zach Martin, they're holding down that line, Doug Free. Sorry, I blanked on the fourth guy's No, it's okay. I mean, it's the Dallas O-line. It's the Dallas O-line. I don't think it, I mean, yeah. I, I, I don't have them all in my head. But Free, Martin, and Smith especially are just holding down that line. 
And with Martin, he's been phenomenal this year. And I just wonder what could have been with him in there instead of Rob Sims. And he and, and he and Warford on both sides of that line. So is there a time more than any other time where you're like, wow, we could have had one of these guys later in the draft? Well, I said it right when they drafted Ebron, they shouldn't have done that. I mean, well, like you just signed Brandon Pettigrew to a four-year deal. It just doesn't all right, make sense. Right, all right, right, right now. As I said in my article a while back, Ebron and Mike Williams, the uh, former bust pick by the Lions, they have they're on track to have the same amount of stats at the end of the year. But in the contrary, he also has around the same stats that Jimmy Graham had his rookie season, and that Anthony Gonzalez had his rookie season. Do you mean and do you mean Anthony Gonzalez, the Ohio State wide receiver who went to the Colts and was a bust? Or I I hope you mean Tony Gonzalez. Tony, oh, I'm sorry. Yes, Tony okay. Gonzalez. I, I just wanted to make sure. I knew when it came out of my mouth. Hey, you know, Anthony and Tony is a nickname for Anthony. So it's true. It's they, true. There you go. I just wanted to make sure because <laughs> Anthony Gonzalez. Yeah, was a bust, I got gotcha. you. But, but yeah. So what do you think? Do you think he's regressing to Mike Williams level, or do you think he's going to turn around and be Jimmy Graham Gonzalez level next year? Because they both are they're the same, the same stats. I mean, I'm not seeing any promise in this guy at all. He looks off. You've heard it. Like I've said before, you've heard absolutely nothing. No one talks about him. The only time he ever gets talked about is Twitter rants during games. No, I, I disagree with you there because there is one other time that I do hear them talk about him, and that's when the coaching staff say every week, this is a guy we want to get more involved. And then what happens every week is they can't get him more involved. And when they do, he blows it. When they do, they he blows it. And that's why they can't trust him out there on the field to get more involved. Do you think more than anything... Joe Lombardi wants to develop this rookie tight end. Who he said himself he wanted to be another Jimmy Graham type. What's, he what? can't do it. He can't uh, trust him out there. What's taking so long? That's what I want to know. Some people can't adjust. Just, Joe so Lombardi's fast. not a good coach. I'm sticking I with can't, him. See, I, I just don't think you can say if that. If there's a better coach, he would be everyone would be playing better on the There's offense. other coaches there, though, Chris. There's I know tight ends coaches. There's wide receivers coaches that can help him catch the ball. And going into the draft, after the draft, what did they say was Ebron's number one problem? Drops. He drops. He could not catch. And what have we seen more than anything from Ebron is drops. he cannot catch. And we saw it again on a pretty big play that the Lions would have been able to maybe catch a little bit of momentum against the Patriots last week. He dropped the ball. Why do you draft a guy whose biggest problem is drops? Your job is to catch the ball and you get the guy who's worst at it? When two picks later, we see Odell Beckham Jr., who's who has some of the best hands I've ever seen. He has bigger hands than Kelvin Johnson. Yeah. Did you guys see his play? His preseason, excuse me, pregame catches that he oh, was yeah. making before yep. that game. Yeah, they all look like that catch. The video. Yeah, yeah, it was ridiculous. And here's Ebron. He can't catch it if it's right in his chest. He needs a third hand. He needs a third hand. And as we all know, that's not scientifically possible. So, is there anything scientifically possible to get this guy turned around? Time? I don't think there's any way. No. I, yeah, time. That's the only thing. Time. Otherwise, you give up on him. You know, the, you know, I, it's pretty drastic, and this, is, this might sound like a bit of an overstatement, but I look at the 2002 draft, and the Lions drafted Charles Rogers. Oh. Wide receiver out of, right here at Michigan State, second overall. Guess who was the third overall pick by the Houston Texans that year? Andre Johnson. Andre. 
Andre Johnson, who now is tied for 10th all-time in receptions in the NFL. He's a top 10. He has, he's top 10 in the NFL in receptions all time, but they drafted Charles Rogers instead. And with the way that we've seen Odell Beckham play, especially these last few weeks. His only few weeks because yeah. he missed the first five. I'm not saying he's going to be Hall of Fame caliber Andre Johnson, even though he's looked that way the past few weeks. And I'm not saying Ebron is going to be giant bust, never, ever see the field Charles Rogers, especially since he doesn't have the drug problems that Rogers has also and the injury problems. But it's something that you, you're going to look at in a few years, I think, and think what could have been. Um, we're already what could have been now because then you even have Kyle Fuller, too. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just – and here's the other thing. And Zach Martin. What about uh, – Van Noy. Where's he been? Where has he been? Where's Kyle Van Noy been? I was thinking about that. Anybody know? He had one tackle last week. One. And we haven't really seen him out on the field at all. And here was the guy that second round draft pick. Everyone said, oh, he'll be be the starting outside linebacker. And so I don't know if part of it has to do with them trying to ease him back from injury. But he's been healthy for a while now. It's It's starting to seem like a peer pressure pick. Like, you think so? oh, Ziggy Ansah's roommate, they worked together Or was at it a peer pressure pick because they didn't go defense first round and they knew there'd be an uproar if they didn't go defense second round? No, I, if they get swayed by the media and the fans, then they're, they should be fired. I mean, Their I, job is to make smart picks. Not, so here you this go. This is the guy they traded up for yep. in the second round. I don't think you trade up for a second, for a second With peer round pressure. who you're being peer pressured into taking. From the get-go, they were they were like speculated to get Kyle Van Noy because it was a perfect fit. And I still think it's a perfect fit. And I still think that you've got to give him some time because he's been out. Oh yeah. I'm not, I'm not trying to rag on him like we just did for Ebron, but I mean, I just wanted to point out that we haven't seen much of him the last three games. Yeah, we really haven't. And And we, we could have used a little bit of help, but Hey, you know, and something that we didn't really touch on going back to the Patriots game is Beginning of the season, first half of the season, we were talking about how amazing the secondary is. But these last couple of weeks, is it time to say maybe the secondary is starting to go a little back to life and they are the Darius Slay, the Rasheen Mathis, and the Cassius Vaughn that we thought that they were going to be at the beginning of the season? Because especially Cassius Vaughn, but even more this week, Slay and Mathis, they gave the Patriots wide receivers, Edelman, Gronk, LaFell, they gave him so much room to catch those balls. I, I I don't know. I think Tom Brady had a lot to do with that. You do? I mean, I I still never thought, I still never thought that, I mean, we both, none of us thought they were going to win, and it's just because it's Tom Brady, and we all know, even though the Lions are the number one defense, we all know sitting here that they couldn't keep up with an elite talent such as Tom Brady. I just uh, if, if Peyton Manning played the Lions, he would pick them apart no matter what. And we know that because they're not that great. So I sh- I don't think the comparison between Slay and Mathis being exposed is too fair because it was Tom Brady and they were going to get exposed no matter what. Did you see their I, I I didn't see what coverages they were using, but you see all these uh highlights of Julian Edelman just catching the ball wide open. Seemed like a lot of zone coverage. Yeah, like they were in cover three the whole game. If I saw the defense in cover three the whole game, I'm tearing them up. And that's what Edelman did. And I'm not even a quarterback. He had 11 catches. He had 11 catches. Brandon LaFell, nine catches. Shane Vereen, 
eight catches on nine targets. Yeah, and you know what all those routes were? Curls and, and hitches. That's mm-hmm. all those routes were. None of them were even huge plays. They were all right inside the zone. Curls for the girls. Yeah. <laughs> the guy that they really were able to stop was Gronk. Gronk was thrown to ten times. He only caught five of them. Good. Besides that, Brady didn't really miss on his targets. Tim Wright, their second tight end. Five catches, two touchdowns. Two only five wide open touchdowns. Patriots caught balls. Five different Patriots. And Brady was still able to pick them apart. I right, think no, we gotta just stop talking about this game. No, it's it's true. <laughs> but I I feel like they went into this zone coverage like we gotta stop Gronk, so let's do, you know, cover two, cover three. I don't know. They stopped Gronk, okay. Look at that. Tom Brady's like, oh look, they're shading to Gronk every play. Oh, guess who I'm gonna throw it to? Everyone else I have on the team. That's kind of crappy coaching. Sorry, Tara Lawson. There's your first loss for the season. All right. First time the Lions had given up 30 points this season. I actually lost a $5 bet to my friend because of it, but that's besides the point. The Lions have not scored a touchdown since the Miami game on that game-winning drive with Theo Riddick. The Lions have the second fewest touchdown scored scores in the league, tied with Oakland only behind the Vikings and the Jags. Guys, <laughs> we talked about the Lions. <laughs> I don't think you guys were prepared for that. I'm, you both just face-palmed. I'm speechless because That's a terrible we talked about the Lions, and here's a team that has Matthew Stafford, Calvin Johnson, and Golden Tate. But, guys, it's a it's bad. Can we finally put a, the bad title on this offense, especially from what Lewis just said with how many touchdowns they're scoring? It's awful. Their offense sucks. Do you, wait, I got a question. Do they miss Reggie Bush right now? Oh, of course they do. Yeah, yeah. Do you, you think if really Reggie seen Bush much of Theo Riddick, who they thought that was gonna was gonna fill in in Reggie Bush's role, you haven't really seen much of him. But I don't think I feel like they're not trying to make him Reggie Bush. You know what I mean? I feel like if they're really like missing, him, game, he's not Reggie Bush. Yeah, it's well, it's because he's, he's not. not. But it, they're not even giving him a chance. How many targets did he have? I, but it's because he's not. I mean, they were giving all. It's they're giving all that praise in the off season because he was doing it with no pads on against the the practice squad. I mean, congrats. Mm -hmm. You earned your way onto the field, but that's all you did. You're knocking Theo Riddick? Yeah, no, I'm I'm knocking Theo Riddick. Okay, you know what? Hey, you know what? He has good hands because he made two great catches to save the Lions games. But that's all he's done. He's electric in the open field. They got to give him more shots. He can't get open. He only had two. two Nobody can get open. Two carries, twelve yards. Man's a beast. They gotta give him the ball more. The beast, man. He's, He's going beast. off of two carries for twelve yards, Chris. He's electric. You're being very theoretically here, that's Chris. The, that's <sighs> the overstatement of the year. If you're saying that, t- I hope you're kidding. I'm joking. You're, you're I'm joking right a little. Now, yeah. Two carries. He's for smiling because of my joke. Okay, Reggie Bush is gone. The the fact that Matthew Stafford had so many weapons is because he was also throwing to his running backs. You know, just outside. He was? It's like, come on. They're they're forgetting who they are. I mean, Put Theo Riddick in Reggie Bush's jersey. They know. are who we thought they were. <laughs> we let him off the hook. <laughs> Guys, this Lions offense is bad. It's bad. It's bad. It's real bad. It's ill. It's ill. 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 And they need a third receiver. They do. Because they don't got No, one. they need a line. They need an offensive line. They need a third receiver, Chris. We just proved just the great of... teams have a third receiver. Because guess what? Even if your offensive line isn't blocking for you, if you have three receivers out there on the field, if you have three targets, usually you're able to find one who's able to get open. The Seahawks didn't have three great targets. Guess what? Marshawn Seahawks... Lynch, 
Percy, Harvin, Golden Tate, just going off the Super Bowl. Okay, Marshawn Lynch th- isn't an out-of-the-backfield receiver. You just said that Stafford was throwing to all his running backs. Yeah, but I'm saying Marshawn Lynch traditionally is not an out-of-the-backfield receiver. The Seahawks also are one of the best defensive teams I've ever seen and one of the best running teams in the NFL last year. So if you're going to run the ball, okay, that's fine. If you're able to run the ball successfully, then yes, it's okay if you don't have a third receiver. But guess what? The Lions running game and the Seahawks running game aren't comparable in any means because Seahawks are probably the best running team in the NFL. Lions are one of the worst. Well, it's true. I mean, it's also not easy to be one of the best running teams when your first time you run for over 20 times a game is against the Patriots. Ding, ding, ding. Guess what? The Lions need to run the ball more, but they can't because they don't have run blocking. They need Warford back in there. They need Waddle healthy. Guess what? That's not going to happen. They need Riola to play like he's 10 years younger. But guess what? He's not getting any younger. They need Rob Sims to play just at least half as good as he's been playing. He's Rob Sims is awful, okay? He's been awful this year. And I think you could say he's been the GOAT on this Lions offense. Not Eric Ebron. Not Matthew Stafford. Rob Sims has been terrible. Terrible, guys. Terrible. Where you Rob Sims, where you at? That's my Rob Sims rant. Come on, man. Come on. Guys, the offensive line is beat up, and it's not healthy. But the guys who have been healthy aren't producing, and that's Rayola and Sims. Can we go into how much of an idiot Dominic Rayola is? I don't like him. He's a big baby. He needs to go. Yeah, he's he's two years overdue on this team. Two years overdue, and here's a guy... Who's not even? Who's not only not producing on the field? He's diving for guys' legs at the end of the game in victory formation. That he's and he's not sorry for it either. Not sorry for it. He admitted. He said, "Yeah, I dove for his legs because they ran up the score on us." Well, maybe your defense should stop the other team. Guess what? They have the ability to run up the score on you because you couldn't stop them. Maybe your offense needs to score a few more points, Dominic. Maybe you shouldn't be going after the other team's legs. It's awful. It makes your team look bad, and now you're putting a target on the rest of your offensive Woo! shoulders. Boom. Higer! Roasted. Boom. Roasted. It's my little Higer rant right there. But there. guess what? Now that you did that, you put a target on the rest of your team. You put a target on Matthew Stafford. You put a target on this offensive line. And I'm not saying, oh, well, now teams are just going to have to – now teams are going to go a little harder on them. But you put a target on this team. Oh, you yeah. can't be going for guys' legs and expect not for there to be payback. And I think Bill Belichick said it best because Bill Belichick is a man of very few words, but the words he does say, he's a genius. He said, yeah, I understand he was frustrated because he's never been able to beat us. Oh. I mean, guys, that was such a backhanded <laughs> insult at, Do- at Dominic Rayola. He it deserved was it. Great. it was he great. deserves an he actual backhand, it. too, because mm-hmm. he's a child. He made the Wisconsin marching bag kid cry for no reason. No reason at all. He's, he's just making fun of him. He's constantly, uh, he's a dirty player. Talk about a dirty player. No one, like, okay, Sue gets all this bad publicity, but then you go around and Dominic Raiola has s- some sort of scene every, every year. season. Every year. He's bad. Yeah. And guys, we're going to go into now Lewis's topic that he wanted to bring up. This is going to take an hour now. This is going to take... Have your arguments ready. Get the gloves off. I'm ready. We're going in. I'm ripping off my sweater. Let's go. 
I like that. That's a real sound effect. Because they're button. It's a button-up sweater. I like it. Nice and warm. All right. All right. Let's for, hear it, Lou. For those listening, he did actually rip off his sweater. I did, because I'm a little warm. But hey, all right. Which team is better, this year's Detroit Lions or the 2011 Detroit Lions? I went 10-6 and six and went to the playoffs. Currently, right now, this year's Detroit Lions has the same exact record going into Thanksgiving as the 2011 Detroit Lions. One defense is better, but one offense is better. Higer first. I'll start. Who is better? Well, you just said that offense was better. That offense was much, much better that year. Stafford threw for over 5,000 yards. The running game was eh, but I think it's interesting because I think these teams are actually very comparable. Both teams' offensive lines were struggling, and because of that, both teams' run games were struggling. Not a single player on that 2011 Lions team ran for over 400 yards. They had Javid Best, Kevin Smith, and Mercury, and Maurice Morris in their running back. Each of them ran for about 300 yards, but not anything more. So it's interesting because these teams are very comparable on the offensive side of the ball, except for the fact that Stafford had more depth at wide receiver. Oh, yes, he did. Yes, yes, he did. And at tight end. And Chris, you're giving me a look as if, wait a second, they didn't have Golden Tate there. But guess what? They had Calvin <laughs> Johnson. That was a blow. A healthy Calvin Johnson. They had a healthy Calvin Johnson. Very healthy. A healthy Nate Burleson. Mm-hmm. And Titus Young, right? Titus yeah. Young. Yeah. And guess what? I miss a, that guy. A Brandon Pettigrew. Who wasn't that bad? This was before he was just, yeah. And a Tony Scheffler who could catch the ball. Not only catch the ball, but had some of the coolest touchdown celebrations I've ever seen. What Sorry, other receivers Fournier, were there? But that's, does that matter? That's three receivers. You had Stephon Logan, too. Stephon Logan, oh, your Stephon fourth receiver. Logan. One and of the so, worst guys, special teamers ever. This was a topic when Lewis brought it up to me yesterday, I thought about, and almost right away I said to myself, the 2014 team, because... It's easier to think more in the present than in the past. But then I look back at this team, and they were more built all around on both sides of the ball and special teams. And the really one biggest weakness of this 2011 team was their secondary. Yeah. But guess what? The front seven made up for it some games. The games that they did win, some they, they, they beat the Chiefs 48-3. to That's a pretty good defensive effort. They beat the Bears 24-13. They beat the Chargers 38-10. to and yes, they did also have those wins where they won they squeaked 34 a few 30, out. 34 28, 49 to 35. And yeah, the defense wasn't great, but the offense was able to bail them out. And this year, we, we've seen where when the defense struggles, the offense hasn't been able to bail them out like they were in the past, like they were able to in the past. So that's why I think when you look at everything together, I think the 2011 team. They lost in the first round to the New Orleans Saints. Was a better team, and that includes with the secondary that had Chris Houston and Aaron Barry. Aaron Barry, Aaron Barry, who called out the fans after that playoff loss when fans were rightfully dogging him for being an awful cornerback because he was and he still is. But I, I, I have to go with the 2011 Lions. I really do, and that's. Still under, if you remember, Jim Schwartz. But that year, Jim, people were calling for Jim Schwartz to be the NFL coach of the year because he was able to take this Lions team and turn them around into a 10-win team. And so I'm going with 
the 2011 team, even though I think this year's team is going to wind up winning more than that 10 games than the other team won. Was this the year the Patriots went 17-1? and uh, It was not. Oh, okay, because they lose to the Giants in the Super Bowl that year, right? This is, not the, year, this is the year that the Steelers and Packers went to the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Oh, the Packers wound up winning. I'm looking on the wrong webpage. <laughs> All right, well, my argument here, the Lions had a great offense. You're right. They had a better offensive line. I think Jeff Backus was still playing, right? Yes, so was, was Stefan yeah. Peterman. Yeah. Ah. Wasn't it Steven Peterman? It was Steven Peterman. <laughs> okay. I wanted to make him sound a little strange. All right. Their defense was terrible. They were winning in shootouts, and the NFC thick of the playoff race wasn't as competitive as it is now. I, I don't think, at least. Um, this was before the Seahawks caught that, uh, you know, that playoff run and uh, beast mode against the Saints. That was the next year, I think. I think that the Detroit Lions now are a better team because they are more balanced. They're more balanced on a stat sheet, but they're not more balanced, they're more balanced literally. They're more balanced on the field, too. You can't say that the offense doesn't have, you know, they can't have they can have a gr- a great game. They've shown that they can have great games. This this year or this 2011 team, they had great games all the time, but they also had terrible defense all the time. This year, Lions, their offense can be great some games, but their defense is consistently. When has the offense been great since week one? I said great sometimes. Sometimes. One so, time. One time and the first week of the season. Oh, they they have scored point. They've scored touchdowns and they've held the ball they've for touchdowns. But they haven't scored more than thirty points in a yeah, game. Yeah, but they've since held the one. ball for considerable amounts of time. Kept the other offense off the field and their defense. But then you've got to score points when you're holding the ball for considerable amounts. No, of time, it's Chris. it's true. It's true. I and think that goes a, into also the special teams. In Twenty eleven, you had Jason Hansen out there who you could trust. To just throw, go in there and kick a fifty yard field goal almost on cue. Matt Prater, do you trust to do the same thing right now? He's getting better. He's getting better. Yeah, he kicked three field goals last week. So far, he's the leading, the leading scorer for the Lions in the past three weeks. Doesn't that say something to you, though? <clears throat> yeah, it does. And it says that the 2011 team was better simply because of the offense. Yeah, defense wins championships, but your offense has got to do something. The Lions lost to the Saints in the playoffs 45-28. to yeah, because they didn't have an offense. Drew no, Brees is great. Because they didn't have I meant a to defense. Say, I meant to say defense. I meant to say defense. Because Drew Brees is great. And defense wins championships. Guess what? They were still able to put up 28 points, though. That, yeah. that game got away from them in the end of the third quarter into the fourth quarter. That was the worst possible matchup for the Lions there. Because you had a mediocre pass defense. I'm not going to say awful, because it wasn't one of the 10 worst in the league. They were 11th. So, <laughs> almost there. But, Bree- but Breeze was able to torch that line. Breeze! They were, he was able to torch them completely, and they were exposed. But they were still able to put up 28 points on pretty mediocre Saints defense. The 2011 team, Stafford and more guys to throw to. He didn't have as many guys dropping balls. And yes, the run game was eh, but they also weren't running the ball as much. That was a pass-first offense. And this year, you've seen a little more of the same thing. But Stafford hasn't been accurate on his throws. He hasn't been able to make he hasn't been able to make the deep throws that we've been able to see him make in previous years and really torch teams for long touchdowns. And Stafford threw for five thousand yards this year. I mean that that year in twenty eleven. He's not gonna reach that number this year. I've got news for you. It's not happening. No, it's not, because you can't throw it the way the offensive line's playing. He he's playing behind a bunch of dummies. 
So let me ask you, what playoff team have the Lions really been able to stand up against and make you think they can beat any team that's going to be making the playoffs? The Atlanta the Cardinals, Falcons. The Falcons. The Cardinals. The Saints. The Cardinals, who they lost to 14-6. They lost- the Saints are 4-7, and seven, so I'm not going to include them because the NFC South is one of the worst divisions ever. But you asked about the playoffs. You they asked stand about the playoffs, you, they, and they okay. can beat the Cardinals. They, can beat- they showed us they could beat the Cardinals. They, their, offense they? Just, their offense just didn't do well. And guess what? Their offense didn't do well because they can't. Their offense cannot produce against top defenses. Their offense was awful. Their offense was just completely awful against the Cardinals. And have you seen their offense been able to put up points against strong a strong defense this year? One. Name one. Who the Lions went up against a good defense and they put up more than 20 points. Well, that You're right. Not doesn't mean they can't that doesn't mean they can't beat these playoff teams. They have a great defense. Okay, so hypothetically, you go against Seattle or San Fran in the first round. Are you going to be able to put up enough points against one of those defenses to win a playoff game? Nine. Of them? No, that's Ooh. that's why these the Lions make the other team play their game because of their defense. They control the clock. That's how they've been playing these games. And recently, they haven't been able to do that because their offense isn't picking up. Because yeah. their offensive line is terrible. Exactly. Other than that, they're a better team than that 2011 team. No. People say defense wins championships, but when you can't score a touchdown, that doesn't win championships. It doesn't. I, I honestly think I found the key. Other than defense wins championships, I think I found the key to a winning team. You have to have a legitimate third receiver. The Lions don't have that. They had Titus Young, Nate Burleson, Tony Scheffler, and a good Brandon Pettigrew, along with the actual Megatron. The Lions have none of that right now. Can we just say, though, the Seahawks are the exception because of how that team was built on the run and defense. The Agreed, the but that's a, that's just a that's that's not the whole league. Yeah, but they that's actually the won a championship. These lions, but they had Russell Wilson. No. Russell Wilson was very good. These yes. lions limped into the playoffs in a sad NFC showdown. Like it's uh, look at this: lost to the Bears, thirty-seven to thirteen. Lost to the Packers, twenty-seven. Like they they got beat up all season. Yeah, but you say they limped in, but they needed to win three games in a row just to make it. And they made it because they won those games. Yeah, against the Vikings, Raiders, and Chargers. Yeah, the Raiders, they almost lost that game. The Chargers weren't that good that year. So what do you Well, yeah, they almost lost to the Raiders. So what are you saying? They actually aren't that good. Look at Matt Flynn. No, this, this year's team isn't that good either. That's why we're comparing them. Now this team's not good, but two or three not weeks ago. Not that good. Higer was telling us, not oh, I think it could be a 12-4 and four season. It could, it it could it's still. It's not going to happen anymore. It's oh, not, not going to happen Everyone's anymore. changing their minds well, now because yeah. of two bad losses. I said it could be a 12-4 and four season if you could match up against one playoff team in these last two weeks against Arizona and New England. And maybe if you had scored just one touchdown against the Arizona Cardinals, you could have had a chance. And so when I said that this is a possible 12-4 and team, I said it on the expectation that maybe they could score a touchdown. And they couldn't do that. They couldn't even score one lousy, measly touchdown. So you're saying they're not going to score a touchdown the rest of the year? Is that I'm not I'm saying hearing? they're going to no, score a touchdown the rest not, of the year. No, that's not. But the point, the point being that we thought after the Miami win – that the Lions could go in and favorably match up and win against Arizona and New England and score a touchdown, but they couldn't score the touchdown, and our expectations were dashed. We had we were we had high hopes and thought they could go twelve and four, and they could pr- theoretically theoretically. Oh, I still love that. Oh, wow. anyways, That's a good one. they that still 
could have gone 12 and 4 if they had won just one of those games. But they didn't win just one of those games. And this team, even though those were great teams and they exposed the Lions a little bit, it still proves the Lions have a lot of work to do. On Lions offense. can still win out. No, they, they still can win out because the their opponents aren't that great. But the Lions need to get it together a little bit still. And don't you think they have a pretty good opportunity to do that against the Bears and the Buccaneers? I think they do. I think they'll find themselves. Those were the two hardest games of the whole season. We said that before the season even started. You know why this team... I'll, I'll, I have a stat right here for you, and this is why this team will not win a playoff game this year. Because... They're going to be on the road in the playoffs, I'm assuming. In four playoff games this year, four true playoff, I mean, not playoff games, excuse me, in four road games this year, true road games, because I'm not going to include the game in London that was titled a road game. Well, why, is that, why does that not count? That should be the ultimate road game. No. They went overseas. Yeah, they went overseas, but they weren't in the other team's stadium. Neutral first. field. That's Super, neutral Super Bowl field. isn't a road game either. It's mm. the game. In, a, in true road games, the Lions have had four this year. Carolina, the Jets, Minnesota, Arizona, New England. So I counted wrong. Excuse me. Five road games. The Lions have scored six offensive touchdowns in five true road games. Six touchdowns in total in five road games. That's almost that's averaging maybe a little more than a touchdown per game. And guess what? The teams that you scored touchdown against, touchdowns against – you got one against the Panthers. You got three against the Jets. Good job there. The New York Jets, who are horrible. horrible. And the Minnesota Vikings, you were able to put up two. They scored 17 points on the Minnesota Vikings on the road. They won 17-3 to because their defense shut them down. And the Minnesota Vikings' offense is horrible. Just terrible. It makes up terrible and horrible. <laughs> but um, this team can't win on the road against a playoff-caliber football team. They can't do it. And Stafford hasn't been able to prove me any year since he's been in Detroit that he can beat a playoff team on the road. He can't. He hasn't been able to. I think there's a statistic that out of since he was drafted in 2009, I think I read that he's only won two games on the road against teams that have made the playoffs. Two. That's a pretty astounding statistic for a guy who's been, for a guy who's been a quarterback in the league for five years now. Yeah, on a historically bad team. You think that this team is historically bad? Yes. This year's team? No. We're going off of this year's team, the 2011 team. They beat the Falcons on the road. I don't know why you guys aren't counting that as a road because game. Because it's Travel, a road game. Traveling is it's a half... neutral field. No. no yeah, the way. Falcons had to travel too. Yeah, but the Falcons had their logo. Everyone in the stands was wearing red oh, t-shirts. Oh, their logo's on the field. so that hey, makes It makes it a little bit of a difference. Traveling is most of it. That's why the West Coast yeah, games but, are so hard to play. But when the other team has to travel too, then it really doesn't matter. That gets canceled out. I guess you're right. That's I just what? want to bring up one more point that I think we're going to want to touch on here at the end of the season. <clears throat> After that 2011 playoff run, the Lions only won four games because the management screwed up and thought the team, oh, they went 10-6. and six. There's not much we need to change, but they were wrong. And let's not hope that this management also thinks there's not much to change if they make the playoffs again this year. Because there is a lot to still be changed with this team. Well, I don't think that there's going to be much choice for them anyway. Because I think with Sue leaving, yes, I'm Sue's leaving. We, Sue has. We did, made a pact not to talk about Sue. Ah, I'm going to bring what, that up. It, yes, it's something that needs to be said. Yeah, no, he, just say with Sue, Sue leaving and Fairly leaving, and I'm assuming both of them are going to be leaving. That frees up a lot of room 
to make other moves. If and they think- planned for them to both be leaving, they would have drafted not Eric Ebron. That's the truth. They would have drafted Aaron Donald. They got it was, it was timing. It was timing. They got to be planning to it sign was all one timing. of them back. It was all timing. And guess what? Aaron Donald has been excellent as well. I know that goes back to one of our. That's who I wanted. Names, but that's another name that that's I forgot. That's who to I wanted. Aaron yeah. Donald for the Rams. So Mini Sue. That's who I wanted. They need Sue, but he's going to be too much money. He has lunch with Warren Buffett. Obviously, he's thinking all about the money. Obviously. He had lunch with Warren Buffett? I just read it today. He had lunch with Warren Buffett. Wow. That sounds nice. It does sound nice. <laughs> so, I wonder what they got. <laughs> you could only imagine. So, Chris, you're saying 2014 team. I think I'm on the same page with Lewis, 2011 team. because It's going to be pretty similar to that 2011 team. I think they're going to limp into the playoffs. And lose a and lose a playoff game pretty poorly to Dallas, either Dallas or or Philadelphia, whichever one of those two teams Yikes, is able to guys. come out of it. You guys are upsetting me. I'm getting. A... I'll just say though, real quick, if it is against Dallas, get excited for the Lions front four against that Cowboys offensive line. Dude, that's gonna be fun. Dude, to watch. If Fairley's back, it'll be fun. If Fairley's not back. It's gonna be disastrous. I, I give C.J. Mosley a little bit of a, a little bit of credit. I, 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 I've seen from him. Is is yeah. Nick Fairley being gone the reason they haven't been able to get a sack, or do you think it's a little bit of something else? I mean, it could be Blitzing could be onto is, something. No, you mean, know what? We'll know. The, I think we'll know pressure. the answer to that after this Thanksgiving. I don't think Fairley's the main reason because you look at guys like Ansa who have been able to get to the quarterback so well this year. Even Sue, I, I, one play that really stood out for me from that game. Look how well Sue was able to jump snap counts. And you look at that one play, it was a handoff from Brady to, I think, Blunt. And Brady just barely got it off in time. Sue was Sue was through that offensive line in half a second. Oh, and when he pushed Tom Brady down? Yeah, he pushed Tom Brady down. That was a, a receiver, uh, receiver. I don't know how screen Brady. Screen pass, yeah. Jeez. Well, Brady was able to get that throw. I don't know how Brady was able to get that throw wow. off. And so Sue is a monster jumping snap counts, and I think that's something that we have to give him a little bit of credit yeah, he's for. great. But anyway, that's going to end our little debate that we had on um, 2011 versus 2014. It would be interesting to see the two teams go head-to-head on the field, though. What if, if what if the Lions win 11 games? Would you still say they're not better than the 2011 team? You'd you have to, still uh, end, end of the season. End of the season. You can't say that because it's hard to look at it with the strength of schedule that they played. It's really hard to. You, so, that's going to end our discussion on that. I think if the two teams were to go head-to-head, though, you'd see 2011 pulling out on top. Anyway, it's time to look at this Thursday's game against the Chicago Bears on Thanksgiving. Oh, and Bears. maybe the Lions will give us something to be thankful for. And when I say something, I mean a touchdown. And a sack. And a sack. I'd like to see both of those. I'd like to see seven sacks, because I love when Jay Cutler gets beat up. It's hilarious. It is pretty hilarious. So, guys, I want to know, what are you most looking forward to or looking for the Lions on Thursday? And do you think that that there's any way that the Bears even stand a chance? I'm looking for over 100 uh, yards rushing. Mm. Um, Mm -hmm. A pair of touchdowns from Joyke Bell. Mm. And Matthew Stafford to throw a touchdown. As well. So it sounds like you're calling this the game that Joey Bell is finally able to break out this season. Yeah. Put up 100 yards, even though Reggie Bush did say he's going to be back this week. 12th best, 
12th best rush defense. Reggie Bush coming back is going to be great. But Joy, they're going to ease Reggie Bush back in. I think Joyke will still get the start. Reggie Bush will be more of the flank wide out, uh, you know, catch some passes. I think Joyke will get some goal line carries. I think that'll be good. I think that the Lions will get us finally a touchdown. They have to. The Bears secondary is horrible. It is. They have to. There's Kyle no Fuller, everyone was on his bandwagon at the beginning of the season. Broken, the hey, broken hand, too. and you're not the same guy anymore. Yeah. By the way, kind of. I know I mentioned uh, Kyle Fuller, so before I forget, a little interesting nugget that I heard is uh, Corey Fuller's parents will be at the game on Sunday, and his mom actually got a shirt, half Lions, half Bears, for Corey and Kyle, as they are brothers. So that'll be kind of it. That'll be kind of cool to see. Maybe. Kyle Fuller will play some coverage on Corey Fuller. That would be adorable. It would be football. You gotta love it. Oh, yeah. Great sport. I love it. Famous we're gonna get our, we're gonna get our Fuller of it. Like the heart. <laughs> oh my god, you're just full. Of I'm gonna be there, eating bro. so much. I'm gonna be so Fuller from you're dinner. You're just full of them. Oh, you're just full of them. I'm gonna be like, oh, Grandma, Fuller up my plate. So we look at the Bears. Who here's a team that have won two straight games, and they're coming off, and that two game winning streak is coming off. The Bears losing five out of their previous six. So, which Bears team are the Lions going to see? The team that has won two straight games, yes, against Minnesota and Tampa, but still, it's a two-game winning streak. Or are they going to see the team that lost five of six? And You're gonna see looked horrible, horrible, horrible. Gave up over 50 points for two straight weeks. Sorry for jumping the gun, but you're going to see the team that lost those five games. Only I, I say this only because they only put up 21 points against Minnesota and Tampa. You want to know? They're not going to put up more than 21 on the Detroit. Hmm. They're just not. And Detroit can match up better offensively to their poor defense that's tra- starting to fall apart. Matt Forte's a lot of their offense, and he's going to get stopped. Even though they're not sacking the quarterback, the run defense is is obviously there. It's still number one in the league. They have Matt Forte, and I mean that's one of the main guys that worries me. But that's not even. A, but we haven't even brought up the names Brandon Marshall, Alshon Jeffrey. Martellus Bennett. I mean, here's there's four guys right there that this secondary is going to have to defend. And Matt Forte, I know he's more of a running back, and you're not worried about it as much because Lions have been able to stop the run, number one run defense in the NFL. But Matt Forte is one of the best pass-catching running backs in the NFL. Yeah, but when DeAndre Levy's covering you out of the backfield, you're just not going to get too far. I mean, we're talking about Matt Forte, though. Yeah. Usually they put the outside linebacker or, you know, one-on-one with the running back. I just think if you keep, and this is just the dumbest thing you could say. It sounds like a very like Fox News kind of analytical thing. Keep them Bash. between the 20s. Just keep them between the 20s. But honestly, if you keep the Bears between the 20s, it's going to be an automatic victory. You get the Bears within the five, they're going to score a touchdown. I don't think the Lions could ever match up against Brandon Marshall, Alshon Jeffrey, and Martellus Bennett evenly in the red zone. They Whoa, can't. I just quick, don't think they could. Quick side note. Martellus Bennett hasn't been anything too great this year. I, I would agree. I dropped but him from my I've, fantasy team. So. No, I, I would agree with that. He but has I five just, touchdowns. In the beginning of the season, he though. He has five touchdowns, though. That's another red zone target. That's what I, but that's what I'm saying. I agree that he wasn't. He's, he hasn't had a good season, but that's why you have to keep them between the 20s. I don't think they have that... Just, just Jay Cutler on the O-line if, and everything. They just haven't been able to do that big play downfield If Gronk got held threat. down... Martellus Bennett can get held down. That's what Martellus Bennett has more catches than Brandon Marshall. He has more receiving yards than Brandon Marshall. And that's on fewer targets than Brandon Marshall. He has 57 catches for 628 yards and five touchdowns. And actually, you mentioned fantasy. He's the fifth best fantasy tight end in the league because he's on my team. Non-PPR league that I'm participating in, so. Okay, yeah. well, 
Martellus Bennett, nine catches for over 20 yards. Alshon Jeffrey, though, has been phenomenal this year. He's still been great. He's a phenomenal receiver. Man, I'm telling you. Jay Cutler. You keep it between the 20s, it'll be okay. Get him in the red zone. I don't think they'll be able to stop him. Jay Cutler's good for two ints a game, and I see the Lions getting maybe two or three. Well, he's only thrown 12 this season, so through 12 games, it's only one per game. So, I mean, it's tough because here's Jay Cutler, who's a scapegoat, but Matthew Stafford, who has only 13 touchdowns this season, and 10 interceptions. Do you, I would rather have Cutler's 22 touchdown, 12 interception line. Everyone's been dogging on Jay Cutler, but Stafford's been the worst quarterback this year. Mm-hmm. He really has been. And Cutler has more targets to throw to than Stafford by far. By far. It's not even close. All right. I'm not going to go into it. You guys know where I'm going to go with that. Mark Trussman's a good offensive coach. He is a good offensive coach. And it's unfortunate because the Lions don't really have one. No. Thank you. Oh, Thank there we go. You. I never, said, I never you. said that Joe Lombardi was a good coach, but I don't think it's Joe Lombardi's fault that this offense is playing the way it's playing. It could be playing differently. You look at Scott Linehan and what he's done with the Cowboys, and now you realize how much of a contribution Scott Linehan made when he was the offensive coordinator here. You know why Jay Cutler has more touchdowns? He's not scared to throw an interception. Matthew Stafford, you, you, you saw it in the game, he's afraid to throw his receivers open, especially if it's over the middle. He's afraid to make that, you know, take that little bit of a risk because he doesn't want to disappoint his fans. He's also scared he's going to get smacked in the mouth. He plays a little scared. Jay Cutler gets beat up all the time, and he's not afraid to throw the ball. That's how he's able to, you know, get that little bit of extra touchdowns. You could could make the argument, it's weird to say, but I think Cutler's the second-best quarterback in the NFC North this year. And that's really weird to say. No, I would agree. Because obviously we all know who number one is. Who's I'm that? not talking about Teddy Bridgewater. <laughs> oh, I just got a double check. <laughs> yeah. So not Jay with Cutler, those puny arms. Jay Cutler, it's easy to dog uh-huh. on him because yes, it's Jay Cutler, but I don't think you can sleep on him. And so we do have to wrap up our show now. We're running out of time here. So I want to real quick get our score predictions in for the Thanksgiving game on Thursday. And Chris, I want to start with you. Is it going to be a happy Thanksgiving? It will be a happy Thanksgiving. 28 to 12, Lions. It will be a happy Thanksgiving, 20 to 14, Lions. It's going to be a happy Thanksgiving, 28 to 24, Lions. Man, you keep putting up these big scores and that never happens. I know it never happens. Low ball at one time. You just want it to happen, don't you, Higer? I want it to happen, (laughs) especially since I'm going to be at the game. I want to see a high-scoring game. Everyone does. And that's not even that high-scoring compared to other Lions standards. But the Bears' defense is just awful. And, I mean, I don't think it's going to be close. It's going to be a lot closer than people think. And I think I agree with you, Chris. It might actually come down to Joey Bell. But we'll see. Anyway, that's going to end our show for this week. I'm wishing all of you a happy Thanksgiving. Thank you all for listening to our show. I think I can speak for Chris and Lewis that we're all thankful for all of you guys who tune in to the Lions Den every week and hear us debate and joke around and make stupid puns each and every week. So I want to wish all of you. Hey, those aren't stupid puns. Yeah, they're kind of stupid. Kind of stupid. Don't be so... Doesn't mean we don't... Breaking my heart. But once again, Chris, Lewis, I want to thank you guys for being on here once again, as as always. 
I'm thankful for you guys. Oh, oh you get a little choked up. We're getting a little sappy here. You get a little choked up. <laughs> but once again, I'm your host, Michael Heiger. Thanks to my co-hosts, Lewis and Chris. And thank you to all of you for listening right here on Impact Sports. And as always, Go Lions! Go Lions!